You're listening to the New Utah Podcast with your hosts, Bree. People can say my name and I still don't pay attention. Chris. This is what happens when your number one health concern in the state is porn. Jeremy. Flicks it and then walks out and just kicks the living crap out of whoever. And Julia. This week on Julia does everything that's embarrassing. Episode 268 of the New Utah Podcast. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Chris. Um the hell i just wanted to make sure it didn't stop again I was like, oh, that's what like i was waiting la- for i've been watching it really closely like the last <laughs> so what the audience doesn't know is like the last what four episodes i think that At we've least. recorded like the recording is going and going and then like 35 seconds in it just stops and so all of the stuff that we talk about in the intro is just completely missed just that's psh- why I was, I was sitting there like half waiting waiting was just like staring at the, the thing to make sure it wasn't stopping <laughs> like i don't know why it was just stopping randomly and i would it would be like three four minutes in and i'd look down and be like motherfucker it stopped at 30 seconds like we gotta start over <laughs> yeah start over and the thing is this isn't a highly edited show. Like, there's some shows, like, I, I listen to a bunch of podcasts. That's, like, the primary method of information into my ears. And there's some shows that are really heavily edited. Uh, and, and you can tell, and they even do outtakes at the end where they're, like, stumbling over words and shit. I don't give a fuck. Not us. We, we stumble. We, we stumble, stumble right in front words. of you. That stays in there, because I ain't, I ain't spending all that time <laughs> to cut and edit. and f- I mean, sometimes I do a few edits. Like, there are things that happen. We've got dogs and doors and yiping and loud noises, right. and sometimes Jeremy or Julia spill liquid all over the damn equipment, and we got to stop really fast. But Last time it was just me, not the equipment. That's true. She did miss the, uh, the headphone input. That's right. But regardless... Um, Anyway, that's neither here nor there. We're recording. We're live-ish. We're live when we're recording this on a Tuesday night. <laughs> um, man, it has been... So first off, it's been really fucking hot. Oh, yeah. And I finally have, with my garden expansion, the sprinklers hit my garden pretty good. And so I haven't really bothered watering it, which was probably a mistake. So I've had, this year, probably the most monumental of garden fells. First off, my radishes. My radishes grew. I didn't harvest them soon enough. Oh. They began to flower. They grew into humongous fucking plants. And I was like, well, I'm going to get rid of all these. They had like seed pods at the end of them. That's how far I let them get. And I'm like, I don't think these radishes are going to be any good. I pulled them all up this weekend. Uh-huh. All the radishes at the bottom were like hollow because the plant just said used all oh, the used it, yeah. ate itself just for nutrients. Oh, well, that's, that's what they do. That's yeah. how oh, they, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how they work. So I was throwing them out on the grass. Phoebe liked them still, but they <laughs> were like like big bulbous ones. I'd grab it and it was like crunch into my fingers, uh, like just well. And if you tried to eat them, they'd be so woody. Yeah, they'd just they'd be, be super gross. fibery. They wouldn't be nice and juicy and and crisp. See, and if you get them when they're young enough, they're actually sweet. Believe it or not. Yeah, no, I believe it. Uh, I love radishes. Um, so I'll try. Them again next year um and they'll i know that they'll grow really fast and really well to, they did super good so. to, to everyone's credit yours included this has been the worst garden year with it's the weather so crazy it's so effing hot we so, had a couple really bad windstorms early i've probably had seven of my squash plants just die completely just wither and die which so i've got one cucumber hanging on by a thread the other cucumber plant is still going strong it's not vining out very quickly though yeah. It's just so hot. And by this time of year, it should be a huge old It should bush. be producing stuff. Like, I, said, I said bush. Yeah, it's not really a bush. It's a giant like ground <laughs> cover vine. So that was fail one is the radishes. Fail two is peppers. I'm, I'm signing off on peppers. I've tried 
three or four seasons now. I can't get any of them to grow. I'm done. Same with parsnips. I've I'm never out. had luck with peppers. Ever. Parsnips are such persnickety seeds from what I can read. And so I've just, I'm I, not. I'm hit and miss with parsnips. I have had them successful a couple of times, but I would say more often than not, they fail on me. I've got carrots. I've got carrots growing, and the one that grew last year turned out really big, and then I just fucking broke it in the soil because I'm a dipshit. Uh, so I've got a handful of carrots, but again, like the expansion of the garden, all the grass that grew just overtook everything, and I pulled it all, but it's just... So that there's another failure. <laughs> my peas, uh, my peas, which looked like they were going to do really well. Peas porridge hot, peas porridge Decided cold. one day they were all going to release their vines, attach to each other, and drag each other to the ground and kill each other. Bastards. And so I have one pea plant left. So <laughs> our peas... Our peas came to harvest. We harvested them. They are so bitter because of how, even though we watered them, peas need a lot of water. Yeah. So they are so bitter that as we harvested them, three quarters of them went to the chickens. The baggie that's left is no good. It's going to go to the chickens the, in another The raspberry months. bushes didn't take. Uh, the good thing is the bushes can regrow off the dead stems, I would hope. Yeah, so as long as they don't completely die they'll come back next year they should come back hopefully yeah. um and then uh i got like one turnip plant i think my spinach i never cut because i didn't as my first year growing it didn't realize i needed to cut it before it flowered so it's now brown because it's <laughs> so fucking hot my potatoes all grew like gangbusters so i've got enough potatoes to feed the half of ireland yeah i i need to harvest some of them soon but yeah, so lots of potatoes. My potatoes have done great. My pumpkins, I'll be surprised if I get anything. I mean, they're they're maybe six inches tall, but they should be, like, great big. They should not be 200-pound size pumpkins, Jeremy, like your arms just indicated. No, no the plant. I'm saying oh, the plant oh, itself. You're like, the pumpkin should be... And no, no, no. like opens. So you you know, like, the state farm pumpkin, the state fair pumpkins that are, like, wheeled in on trailers that are, like, 150 pounds and, like, six feet across. That's how Jeremy yeah. was describing his pumpkin. The plant itself. Okay. That makes more sense. The plant itself should be a nice, big help. Well, like, even my zucchini plant, like, we're we're mid-July. Usually by this time, my zucchini plant's just in Usually by now, we're giving them to the chickens. Cause yeah. But nothing. Yeah, nothing. Matt, no fruit. No flowers. We have harvested zero. It's still growing, but, yeah, it's... And this is us in our home gardens where we... And, and part of it is I should water. I should have been watering more for sure uh, it's just so hard for me to justify it right now yeah with the drought uh, but i did put some water on it last night which has helped but that's the other thing these hundred and something degree days are just brutal uh, i think we hit 102 today i want to say it was 103 yesterday it's supposed yeah. to be like 101 tomorrow we had a we had a spotty sprinkle of water earlier oh uh, yeah which nicely cleared out the smoke out of the air which, it did which it did help a little help bit because it was bad yeah we were out mowing this morning when that rain I, I say rainstorm when those sprinkles came through i was hoping for a downpour but mm. yeah it was the kind of sprinkle that just makes your car really fucking dirty because my car is covered in dirt now from the sprinkles and spots. we were out mowing and so it just got like nasty muggy oh yeah that's the worst just like because it's just like barely that. sprinkling so it's really hot and really humid and yeah. there's not cooling mist yeah and there for a bit no breeze whatsoever so it was just bleh. but yeah it did it did help clear out the air which right now i saw i think it was yesterday a post from the new the weather channel that said right now the particulates in the air are as bad as it gets in like January, February. During the inversion time frame. Yep. That the, yeah. So it's not the same, but 
but the particulates are just as bad because of all the smoke, which, you know, what I was, I was thinking over the weekend when it got started getting really bad, I'm like, where do we have fires? So I looked it up. They're not in, no, it's Oregon and California. Well, we have the one in we have, Virgin River now. But yeah, but that's not getting up to us. The smoke is coming from the smoke that's choking us out. Yeah, it's coming out of California, Oregon, Cal- California, and Oregon. And then there's some in Idaho, but I don't know. I don't think that's getting no, to us. The high pressure system was just keeping everything swirling. Yeah, so that's the problem. Is when it gets into our mountain range, the Salt Lake Valley is basically a big toilet bowl, and it just spins and spins. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so anyway, garden failure this year. It's been really bad for expansion. There's still so much grass that it's like, it's fighting an unending battle to get that shit out of there. Um, because. Yeah, where you want grass, it won't grow because it's so damn hot. Yeah, but in the garden. <laughs> Fuck yeah. It grows like gangbusters in there. Not well, even good grass. Well, and like where we had to patch our sprinklers, I guess it's been about three or four weeks. Like it's deader than dead everywhere. Yeah, I'm still not. I'm still not even doing that. I've, I'm. I've cut back on the sprinklers. There's a bunch of dead spots all over the back. The front yard's like a desert. Yeah, we've got we're yellow all over the place. That's how it should be though. But we're in really fucking hot drought summer with you know middle of July. Your lawn should be brown. Yeah. So well, and we've talked about a hundred times over, but no moisture this winter, and that is what feeds the water supply throughout the summer. But a reservoir. How many times gone. did we shovel this this winter? Like twice, maybe three times tops? Yeah, nothing. And it was gone like within 24, 48 hours? Like there was no snow that stayed this and year. And I was really disappointed that I didn't get to take advantage of the fact that I was working from home. Yeah. You know what, though? What's thriving in this heat is rats. Goddamn rats. <laughs> I hear they're out in droves eating all the produce that you're chucking because it doesn't taste good. Uh-huh. So... So, yeah, they are, so we've, I've changed the way that I'm feeding the chickens because it's beyond obvious that's what's keeping the mice there. So I've changed the way that I'm doing that. So now they're getting hungry. So like they're coming out, like into my compost and stuff like that. So I was telling, um. So how did you change how you feed the chickens? So I, I don't know. Cause you had the auto feeder. Yeah. So I've stopped with the auto feeder and then I had the big barrel. And I've stopped with the barrel. So now what I'm doing is I am actually feeding them every day instead so of just... So you're just going out and throwing out feed because they'll kill the rats. They won't let the rats eat their food. Yeah, right. right. So instead of having just food on demand, I'm feeding them every day. But what that's doing is that's driving the rats out because they're hungry. So I was talking to Brighton about it, and he's like, I'm going to bring over my night scope. So for all those of you who don't know, which is probably most of you, he's in the military, so he's got access to cool toys night vision so he's bringing over a night vision scope to put on his 22 and when i say 22 this is not your average 22 this sucker is like okay but let me ask you a question can you fire that in riverton city limits because you are in city limits in your backyard shooting an air actual air pellet 22 then it's not a 22 no it's 22 caliber air really yes (laughs) it is a 22 caliber Air rifle. So it's a it's a big old fucking air pellet. Uh huh. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. So he's gonna he's bringing that over with with the night vision scope on it, and he's gonna. Go. I don't know what else she do. I don't I don't know how else she get rid of them. I mean, I've got five traps in there, and I mean we're catching them on a fairly regular basis. We got one yesterday in the trap, and they're big, aren't they? Oh yeah. These aren't mice. These, Th- are, these are someone's fucking pet rat that got let out. It's probably. gotta be. It's gotta be. I've never seen rats like that in the Well, and you saw one last summer, and you thought it was a chipmunk or a squirrel or something. Yeah, last July, or it was in the spring, I think, and I was like, hey, 
is that like a chipmunk over there? And you're like, nope, that's the big rat. And what happens is, is they travel from yard to yard. So we'll take out a whole bunch of them, but then I won't see any for three or four weeks because they move down to the neighbor's chicken coop or the one farther down than that. And then after a while, they make their way back. Mm -hmm. So I think I've gotten rid of them all and I don't see any for a while. And then all of a sudden... The family moves back in. So anyway, we're going to see if the nights go. Well, I'll, I'll give you an update. need some cats. So we do have a neighbor cat that I've kind of been feeding, and it's actually taken out two or three. Yeah, you need some more. The but, problem with cats is they'll kill the birds and the chickens. So they can't get to your chickens. Though. No, because mine are all, are, the way mine are fenced in. Yeah, we can't get in They there. can't get to them. But yeah, it's ridiculous. It, it And it, they're big enough that that's what it's got to be. We've had field mice. These aren't field mice. These no. are freaking rats. Yeah, they're big. So we had a um, an exciting and emo- emotionally charged uh, weekend. Good emotion. I mean, I didn't have a super emotionally charged weekend. It was pretty <laughs> mundane for me. It was pretty easy for me. But uh, Bree, on the other hand. Yeah, so we talked about before that my family had my biological family on my father's side had reached out to me and in just like all together, like all of a sudden I had four emails and, um, and just to step back for those of you that haven't paid attention on the show, Brie is one of the first artificial insemination babies, not just in Utah, definitely in Utah, but also, you know, nationwide and, and really kind of worldwide. So she was born in 1975 at like the very early stages of the test uh, tube baby. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, b- basically, like at the time they were even mixing donor semen with the semen of the um, sterile adult male. And going, okay, it's mixed up, and we put it in the woman, and hopefully something happens. Like, that's the level of, like, rudimentary experimentation. It's not like now where they can oh, yeah. go in and precisely, precisely. inject. Well, the, and, and it's not test tube babies. Test tube babies no, are but that's created and then implanted. Like, that, this was just semen. Yeah. IVF was, like, 78 was the first true in vitro right. baby. But, yeah. the So, this is, this is donor semen. And at the time, we found out, at the time, it wasn't even frozen. So, this is, like, super fresh samples. Yeah. Semen. Like, it, it was just... <laughs> the lady's I, in the other room, and you're... Well, no. I mean, it, there's a shelf life. There was a, the I think, six-month... Yeah, I don't know. Or a year shelf... For, like, not... It wasn't very long. And over the kids. Basically, because he was saying it would have had to have been the end of 75... The very first part of 76. Four kids to be born. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Because he was given in like, it was his last semester of medical school. So right. it was like spring of 75 and earlier that he was donating. Yeah, that would make sense though. So anyway, I just wanted to catch everyone up because not everyone may know what we're talking about. So there's one other um sibling that was conceived from the donation that we know of and she found this family i think back in march of last year just before covid yeah something like that um and so she's kind of been talking to them and she follows them on social media and and has kind of been really learning about the family this i only found out is it, has it even been two months? It's been about two months. Maybe, maybe two months. So she's known for over a year, and I've known for about two months. So she's been communicating with them and, and knows a lot about the history of it and, and whatnot. Um, and so they 
planned a family trip. She lives in California and they planned a family trip out here to Utah. And, um, the oldest daughter who is also a twin, um, and about three years older than us set up like a family party, not like a, an actual reunion, but just like invited everybody that could like come family summer party. So there was probably over a hundred people there. Fuck, it was like 150 people there. Wow. That's a ton of people there. well, just, From- just my bio father's family alone, his full on family that he had with his wife, there's seven children and then this girl kids. and then me. And so, yeah. And then like, I know one of them has four kids. One of them has six kids. So sounds like my family get together. Just well, their family, just like just his line alone is huge. But he also has like a huge family, like five uh, brothers and sisters, I think, who are also very prolific. So yeah, they're all big, huge. giant Mormon families, like like six kids, eight kids, and they all have. Well, and even I think the only sister had like ten kids, yeah, ten, oh, and like then like her kids had like well we were talking to her or eight kids or something her family like her and her husband down to, to great grand to great grandkids hundred hundred and nine just mom dad and then down like grandpa and grandma down to great grandkids wow. basically like and that's that's just one her. that's one of her biological dad's siblings <laughs> and like there was so there were like i think so only half of my biological siblings were well i guess a little over half cuz there was so there's in the family there's only two brothers the rest are all girls including the other <laughs> including Brian the other a, right the other ba- the other artificial insemination baby so um there was one brother there and two or three sisters three. missing. Three sisters missing. Oh, well, there were three sisters there. Right. So there was so, one brother there. One, two, three. Three, sisters. three sisters. So two sisters Because it was missing. Jamie, Laura, and um, Melissa. Melissa. So how did it go? So it went really extremely well. I got there, in, and they were just setting up, and I was a little bit nervous. But yeah. um, we'd met a cousin a few weeks ago and his wife, and we saw him already there. Um so we walked up to him and he was just, he right away walked us over to the other girl and introduced us to inter- Sunny, introduced us to her. So and how's, how's the other girl? Like she's had more time than you, but how oh, a ton. Can, she's, okay. she's more fr- like, can she's, I, I'm an introvert. She's an extrovert. Can I so. tell her story? Oh my God. Cause this is like, so Bree's known, Bree's known her whole life. This was not a mystery to Bree that she was conceived right. with artificial insemination. Like there was never like a sit down. Like I think it was just kind of an always talked about thing. So yeah. like for as long as I've known you, I've known. Yeah. yeah. Because I just, just, I've known forever. I actually thought it was really cool. And that's a really personal thing for a family, right? Like her biological dad said, I didn't see this any different than say donating blood. And, and my wife who was also there agreed like, you know, we can help somebody have a baby. We've had, yeah. th- we've already had three and how would we feel if we couldn't? And, and he, he went into a long diatribe about like back then, cause he actually then ended up going into, uh, obst, obst, he's an, uh, he's OBGYN. An, he's an obstetrician, yeah, gynecologist. And, and, and he, in his residencies and stuff was doing some of that in vitro. No, he didn't stuff. participate in my study because he hadn't he was graduated just a med yet. <laughs> but what he was saying is back then they weren't trying this out on, just anyone. It was all long-term married couples that had tried to conceive right. and that the father was infertile. infertile. There and was like, no other way for them to there was, have there were, a biological there, there was child. There no adoptions. There were no single mothers. There were no gay couples. It was 
heterosexual married couples that couldn't conceive and were together for an extended period of time. So like Bree's mom. Right. I think my parents had been married like five or six years before they had me. And so it's a very, you know, and it's a very personal thing. Like Bree's parents decided to tell her what Sonny's parents did not. (laughs) So Sonny's parents decided not to tell her. uh, And so Sonny is... Going off to college or in college might be her first or second year of I college. I remember. Her parents were divorcing. Her parents are in the middle of a divorce. And in a fit of anger, her mom says, well, he's not even your real biological father. Or you're not even yeah. her real biological dad or <laughs> like, something along those lines. <laughs> that's how she found and out. And she hears this and it's like, like, what the hell? Holy shit. That's fucked <laughs> up. And then so, you know, when, when DNA stuff comes around and she... She decides to do it and bam, finds all these people that she doesn't know they're in her family. And so there are a few, apparently, so Jet- So this is, this is really funny. So the cousin that we met and my one sister that's the twin, the oldest sister, are the only two really on Ancestry. But the sister isn't, like she put her DNA in, but she doesn't really do anything with it. Where Jed has been like... Like he's super into it. He thinks it's cool and he's been researching right. it and connecting out, doing all that. So when he sees Sonny's stuff come in and she is so closely related, he's to like, Melissa specifically, he's like, cause she's the only like one she in there. has to be. She, he, he like reaches out to Melissa and is like, Hey, this, this Sonny chick, you've got to reach out. And she's like, she doesn't really respond. So he calls her one day and she's like, I happened to be in the car with a bunch of my friends and it was loud and we were all talking and he's telling me and and she was like, okay, yeah, whatever. She's like, and then I promptly forgot about it. So Jed in, because he was being respectful was like, well, maybe this, I've hit an awkward spot and I don't, I don't want to want to push it anymore. But he and Sonny had been chatting. And so um, I guess she looked Melissa up on Facebook and then, um, um, no, Sonny looked her up. Yes. Sonny looked Melissa up. That's why I said. Yeah, Sonny yeah. looked Melissa up on Facebook and messaged her. Well, Melissa doesn't ever go on Facebook. Well, she was going to sell a bike, like a really high end, like thousand like dollar bike. marketplace. Right. So she goes out there to post and she sees this message and the and Sonny is like, I think I'm related to you. And, and uh, Melissa in the big, hu- well, wait, in the big, huge family thing, she's like, Oh yeah, great. Seventh cousin, whatever, you know, like, Oh, right, okay. right. how so? And Sonny's like, Well, I think I might be your sister. And she's like, How so? <laughs> Cause you and, gotta understand, this is, this is like Mormon family, like mom and dad, like well off, have a nice house and in the river t- bottom. And they've been together and they're like, they love each they've other. Been like with eight kids and grandkids, seven, seven kids and grandkids, like, they're they're clearly not cheating on each other, right. and Sonny is younger than Melissa, right? By th- by about three years, which means there's there's three siblings that are older than us. So, um, so Melissa's like, uh, what? And so she calls Sonny, and Sonny's like, yeah. So artificial insemination, and so she starts thinking, well, yeah, my dad was in the medical program; he so went in to be an OBGYN. So he, and they're like, oh yeah, we like. Yeah, we made that decision. But think about it. Like if you had three little kids, though, like three and younger, when you make this decision, that's not something you talk to them about. And then years later, you don't like suddenly bring up, you know, 
you know, 20 years ago, I did this thing and you might, in a cup. you might end up with some siblings down. Like you just don't think about it. Right. Well, then at the time, I'm sure it didn't cross anybody's mind that they'd ever trace it to you. Well, yeah, it right. was completely, an, completely right. anonymous. Like genetic testing was in its very, very infancy. Like we were still, like I said, we were still mixing semen and like pushing it into the vagina and hoping it in, you know, hoping it, uh, it, it, uh, made a baby, made a baby. And, and for so those like, of you kids who don't realize it, there was no internet. There was no cell phones. We didn't even have a microwave until right. I was probably no. 12. Like computers were, we're, st- we're still talking giant mainframe style like, computers. Nobody had a computer yeah, in the house. No, no. So, 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 you know, I'm sure at some point they just kind of forget, right? They just don't think about it anymore. So this all comes up and they're like, Oh yeah, that happened. So they reach out to her and they totally welcome her. And then Chris gets me my ancestry and I wait, like he got it for me for Christmas and I didn't do it forever. And I finally do it and throw it in there and then kind of ignore it, you know, play a Melissa and just kind of don't look. And all of a sudden Jed goes out there and he's like, Oh my God, I found another one. And we were so sure you were Irish. Well, English. And so I'm definitely like, <laughs> they so, okay, can trace these are me. Card carrying Mormons, like hardcore Mormons, like, like they have books, of original pioneer Mormon. Like family. they know exactly what year they came. They know which, and which everyone member. except for this branch of the family are Quakers. They're still Quakers. They are originally Quakers ah, from England. Like as in you could go visit them and they're Quakers. Where are they living? Are they still Pennsylvania? In, yeah. They have an original, like this is really cool. We've heard the story Ohio, from a couple yeah. people. There is an original Quaker home in Pennsylvania from the family from back in the days when like. That you pay to go in and. The number at. of windows that you had ex- explained how wealthy you were. Nice. And they, and they had put windows, windows in their, their closets. closets. Big time. So like. And this, I know Iowa has a big Quaker community it, too. Yeah. So, so, and there's, they're all still Quakers apparently, yeah, except for like this one branch of the family. Except for this one branch that converted. But, um, but yeah, they, they were welcoming. They were kind. That's so cool. It was really weird because like I look, I kind of look like my mom. Like it's not like people were like, yeah, that is not your mom. Like I, I look like my mom, but, um, I never get the whole, oh, you look just like, like, like I look at Hannah and I'm like, dude, you look like Holly. Yeah, those. Two. Yeah, she's the I spitting mean, image of she looks sister. like she looks like like Heather too. But no, her but Holly, she looks she's Holly. like Holly. Holly's called her mini me her whole life. Yeah, yeah, I mean she totally does. And Jonathan, you can see he totally resembles the the Greenouch yeah. family as so well. If you ever see Heather's dad, like it's the same person. Yeah, yeah. And and so when people see them, they say, "Oh, you look just like blah blah blah." That never ever happens to me. It's like, oh, yeah, I can see that you're part of the family, but it's never like, oh, you look like Aunt Blah Blah ever. I walk in there and I was told that I look like an Abby and a Natalie. Natalie. Well, in the picture you sent of your biological dad, oh, I can see it. Oh, yeah. yeah you like can see eyes, it. And eyes and nose and stuff. And you can see it in the, the bigger family picture, yeah, too, with all the brothers and well, sisters. And I, the, I sent him that. The other girl, the other Sonny. Test two baby girl. Same thing. It, the kind of the eyes and the nose but like, like people there were a couple of the cousins that were like this i person i here. thought you were natalie and then i got close and realized that's not natalie so that was that was extremely strange and then i was told that i actually take after the grandmother's side of the family hmm. so not the not the family line that 
you know, the, the last not name the, that, yeah. that's, that's predominant here, but the, the grandmother side, and apparently she was the first homecoming queen at BYU. So if you go to BYU and you look at their hall where they have all the pictures, hers is the very, very first picture. And her name, first name was Bonna, I believe. Now that's just a nickname, but kind of funny. And, that, and we saw a picture, uh, an old timey picture of her. And yeah, I, you yeah, can see I it. mean, I see a resemblance, but I don't, but, but everybody came up to me and said, Oh, you look like the, the, this side of the family. That's so cool. Yeah. And the, the bio dad's wife said that I, I can't remember who it was, if it was Bonna or somebody else, but just that my mannerisms and stuff, she's like, just like his mom's. Just like, just like her like bio dad's mom. So can you still claim you're an only child? I mean, she was, I mean, she I was, was raised an only, only child. I'm just giving which, you a hard time. But I gotta say, like, I, I have, like, my extended family's somewhat decent size, but this was insane. I'm, and I'm, the 150 is probably not an exaggeration. There were so many little kids, like babies, all the way like, up there to were probably 80 year like, olds. There were probably like five or six pregnant people there. And like, all super nice. Not a single person was adverse. Like they all wanted to meet us. Uh, like not standing in line, but there was a constant flow. Like we, we were, were never n- just standing there. We were never not meeting someone. That is was really never- cool. And, and bio dad kept coming up and talking and he I was wanted like, to I- like brought out books and sat between us and showed us. And so how, how does it feel with bio dad? Like a little awkward or not really? He's or- super Mormon. Very um, conservative, but. In a weird way, like, like not, he wasn't like really preachy. He was, this is the, the thing that got me is he was, uh, super, um, so Bree talked about her girls because they all wanted to meet Cassie and Sean. Bree's like, well, they're grown. They're out of the house. They're doing their own thing. And he was super duper happy to hear that the girls were in college. He's like, that's what I wanted out of this donation is to have successful kids, offspring for these other people. And it was just, it was really, really cool to, to like, I think he might be more proud of me than my dad. Yeah. Like he said a million times, cause he puts a lot of emphasis on education. And so it was kind of, I was kind of hesitant to have to say, you know, that I didn't ever go to college or whatever. And he's like, it's not about that. He's like, we are just supposed to do the best with what we have. And like you raised kids that went on to, to do bigger and better things. And he's like, that's not it. You know, that's, that's not it at all. And he like gave us, gave me a hug several times. Like you could tell his, his kids and his grandkids just love him to death. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting. And then we got invited to the farewell of my half sister's kid. Um, didn't go, mm. but that was too short. <laughs> but, sh- but like I would have been able to meet the, the missing siblings had I gone, but it was weird. Well, it's time for our guest, uh, this episode. And with us, we have, uh, Austin Luckett. And I almost fucked up your name after, uh, Austin, Austin Luke. <laughs> uh, it's Austin Luckett, um, like the city in Texas, the capital of Texas, which apparently some people don't know about. I don't know. Yep, there it's we weird. go. I don't know. Um, Austin is the uh, owner of Iron Pine. Um, and you're based out of Ogden, right? Yes, that's correct. But you do stuff outside Ogden, I assume. You come down here every once in a while. Yes, I definitely have clients all over the place. (laughs) So, but uh, yeah, I love Salt Lake and uh, just have clients all over. But I'm based out of Ogden, Ogden, Utah, 25th Street. 
Historic nice. 25th Street. Infamous 25th Street. We've yeah. talked about that a lot. Infamous, historic, you know. Historic nice. 25th, right historic there at the 25th. building called the Monarch. Did you have, because uh, there was a fire right up there recently, wasn't there? It was like yeah. maybe off of 25th or 26th Street? Like yeah, right it was there. a few blocks away. There's been a few, but this one was a pretty big one. That yeah, was a bad fire. Yeah, it was. It was right when we had that string of crazy fires in Salt Lake, too, like the business up on Brickyard. Oh, yeah, yeah. And a like big apartment fire. Three and weeks another ago, one. Yeah. four weeks ago, something like that. wasn't very long ago. Anyway, we're not here to talk about fires that did not affect you. Um, <laughs> thankfully, that's I just wanted to make sure that you were you were okay. Yeah, it was nearby, but and it's it was bad, but yeah, you was, know, thankfully I was not affected. Thank, thankfully, we have public services like firefighting. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. you know, a hundred years ago that might not have been the case. <laughs> yeah. Um, so why don't we take a step back? Um, <clears throat> first off. What month were you born in? That's the first question we really like to ask guests. October. January. So. First yeah. of the year, baby. Yeah. What were your parents doing in January? <laughs> I, I, maybe, I don't know, just after New Year's. When did it, when, first part of October? It was the correct answer. Yeah. <laughs> what part of October, first part? Uh, October 5th, actually. So, yeah, New Year's, so baby. Early, yeah. New Year's. Yep. Happy oh, New yeah. Year. <laughs> Someone had a happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, seriously, though, where, where were you born? Where do you come from? I was born in Florida. So, Florida. Yeah, Florida. Boynton He's Beach. He's a Florida, Florida man. He's a Florida so, man. I, thought, oh, I go to Florida and every, you know, when I visit, everyone's like, oh, I'm from somewhere else. And I'm like, well, I'm actually from Florida. So, interesting. Where's, uh, where's Boynton Beach in Florida? Uh, West Palm Beach County. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so how the hell do you get to Utah? I mean, that's a long stretch to get to Utah. It is. I, I uh, moved all over growing up, so we lived in Florida, Georgia, Texas, Oklahoma, Ohio. I mean, lots of states. I I lived in a lot of different places growing up. So, do you have like a military dad? Or? Uh, my both my parents were military uh, brats. They were used to it. Nice. So. so they just moved a lot. They weren't necessarily in the military. No, they weren't. Um, both my grandfathers were in the military, but my 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 parents were not actually. But so, what just, did they do for for work then? Uh, my dad was they were a, grifters. <laughs> he just wandered around from <laughs> place to place. When I say we traveled, I meant on the back of a train. <laughs> Have you heard of a no, con we just, artist? We just walked. <laughs> no. Um, my my dad was a hydrogeologist, actually. So oh. <laughs> dealt with groundwater. Nice. So. That's pretty sweet. That's cool. That's a really you don't hear like. A lot of people. I'm a hydrogeologist. <laughs> so, so who did he typically work for? Like municipalities? Or uh, he worked like for engineering firms, private industry. Yeah, usually, or? usually large engineering firms, and his clients were uh, Chevron, big yeah, gas companies. Exactly. He's like, oops, we just spilled gas. What are we going to do about that? Oh shit! This so oil leak. We're, uh, we're going to poison everyone. What do we do now? <laughs> the ducks are dying. So, what does your dad think about fracking? <laughs> I don't think he was. I don't he think probably, he was a big fan. Actually, yeah. I'm not. I'm Did not they sure, do a lot of fracking back then? No, that's new. It's, it's somewhat. I was going to say because that's a somewhat new. Like last twenty to thirty years, that technology has been around. No but, fracking way. Probably like lighting tap water on fire is not exactly good. You know, hydrogeology. Yeah. Where was that? Michigan was it in Michigan where they had that. Where, like, you could literally light the tap water on fire. Like, of, half the Midwest when they were doing all the fracking because the gas was getting into the water supply. <laughs> yeah. Mom, is it supposed to be burning like that? Not necessarily good. <laughs> or, like, half, you know, there's, like, big 
oil fields on fire and yeah. stuff, or the ocean oh, set on fire. I said there was that one in Mexico. Like, yeah, this last way to go, humans. Gulf. Yeah, <laughs> way to go, guys. We just set the ocean on fire. It's kind of hard to put that out with water. I saw the boats like putting water on, and I'm thinking, I don't think that's going to work. That's it's in like, the ocean. The, that was the <laughs> like most end of days fucked up looking thing. Yeah. Like a giant swirling vortex of fire in the middle of the ocean. Someone opened the gates of hell. And not the and the oil rig that was right next to it was not the cause. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> this wasn't a BP situation. This was a pipeline that hit. That was exploded. a bad apocalyptic movie yeah. where I think no one but Charlie's Theron lives. Or something that's like actually that. that's actually how they create the rifts that the monsters come out of oh, on Pacific yeah. Rim. That's I was I was going to say Pacific Rim. <laughs> anyway, wrong ocean though. <laughs> Atlantic Rim. <laughs> and what about your mom? What'd she do? Uh, my mom was mostly a stay-at-home mom. Just yeah. traveled around. She was, the mom. Yeah. She she was, was a mom. mom. She her job was to be mom and stuff. It's so a good job. Nice. So, at what age did you land in Utah then? Oh, geez, wow, that's a good question. Uh, I was in my late thirties. Oh, okay. So, so, what, so, so what did you somewhat do recently? That? I was in California. Actually, I lived in California for ten years, and um, oh, so you're one of those assholes. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> like I lived in San Francisco. I came to Utah, bought a house, fifty dollars over, fifty thousand over asking, paid cash. Under actually, but oh. cool. No, <laughs> well, so you moved here at the right time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so no, I fell in love. I felt my wife is from Ogden. I met her in California. She is from Ogden. Oh, um, born there, and we were we were looking for a place to go. Uh, we wanted to be near family, and I loved. I just fell so, in love with it. So let's like, back up let's just a hair. Did you go to high school in California? Mm, Georgia. Georgia. Uh, how about college? Also Georgia. Georgia. So then what, so we got to back up. What took you to California then? A job. So I went, that's when I, I, I have a degree in landscape architecture from the, uh, from the University of Georgia. And then after that, I took a job in Los Angeles area. <laughs> Yeah. With the city or with a private, uh, a private firm, uh, just a large landscape contractor out there. So when I when I was in architecture school, I did like because you had to like a semester and a half of landscape architecture. I'm thinking, oh, this is nice. I have no I, yeah. no desire whatsoever to do it, but yeah, this is nice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it was nice. I I don't I do it a little bit now. Um, Unfortunately, here in Utah, all you're going to be able to do with landscape architecture is uh, irrigation layouts, pretty much, like or this. like. Prior to the drought of 2021, just put lawn from the curb to the front door. Yeah. Not which is lawn. cool. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like our friend, where's Peter Spell? This, this guy over here in the corner. Uh, oh, yeah. Peter's a landscape architect uh, out of Ireland. Uh, and he's a, he's a friend of the show, been on with us a couple times. Uh, but he does like, the like he Paris did the, Peace the Paris Peace Gardens, like the oh, World wow. War II that's Memorial. That's, that's Peace amazing. Gardens. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of stuff that he has has been doing. This that's a one in a million. That it is. That stuff. That's us. That's lucky. It's crazy to do. stuff. Okay, like, so I just go around taking pictures of Utah landscapes now. <laughs> so you go to L. A. And how do you meet your wife? Uh, we we both worked at the same company. Oh. Um, so I guess I should ask, I know we're detouring all over the place. How did she get there? She's from, so, uh, she's, she went to Utah state on Logan, oh, which is really their, their landscape architecture. Yeah. And, is... and so well, she actually, she's a master's in environmental engineering. Oh, but, oh, wow. yeah. Um, and so my roommate at the time, uh, went, cause we were look. we were, they were hiring people from all over. I mean, we were, that company was growing at like, I mean, doubling every year about how long ago was that uh this was like 
It was before the financial crisis. 2005, so 2006. Way before that, oh, like wait. 2000s, yeah. So early 2000s. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, he, my roommate at the time was also went to the same college, and he went back to recruit people to come work. And so oh. she was one person that she, he, he recruited to come nice. out there. So what... What is it about, like, a career in landscape architecture, like, where you actually go to college, you get a degree, uh, you meet your wife, like, that's some heavy, like, dedication to landscape architecture, and I'm just curious, like, what drew you to that kind of profession and that kind of career? Well, I initially was an art student, and then you inevitably (laughs) get the question, how do I make money? But what's what else? You know, what's your backup plan? <laughs> so, I guess you know that my that I decided to get a degree, which I thought kind of encompassed a lot of that stuff that I enjoyed, um, and I didn't really fall in love with it as a career. Um, I really, my passion really became landscape photography, and end up doing metal printing, of course. But um, uh, so I. I I did enjoy it, but it just wasn't something I was really, really passionate about. But the landscape itself is something. Yeah, really it was. Yeah, it landscape is. architecture in Utah is pretty much a bust. <laughs> yeah. Other places in the nation, it is a. Yeah, there's actually stuff that you're doing, that, with, and people pay for it. You, Utah, and I can imagine California was. Yeah, like California seriously. was. We did a lot. I mean, I worked. I I, I worked in the housing industry, really out there, mm-hmm. um, pretty much. Worked a lot. I kind of got burned out a little bit, I guess. I would imagine. So yeah. maybe that's what happened. So, so you you discover how much you really love landscapes. I mean, that was that always like where your art drove you is to like Bob Ross style paintings or Happy Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I loved Bob Ross. Oh, I, so I still I watch Bob Ross. It's just so relaxing. I mean, it's just there's no mistakes. I actually I actually accidents. use Bob Ross. I have a Bob Ross background for all my conference call meetings right now. It's a Bob Ross painting. That's my background. It's great. Awesome. Yeah, I've always enjoyed that. I am not a very talented painter. There are some talent, very talented painters at the Monarch in Ogden. So should come up and check that out. I am not one of them. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've always enjoyed that art, and I I don't know. I just started shooting pictures on an iPhone. I was going around Utah going, wow, this is cool. Wow, this is cool. And there's a lot of great stuff. Uh, eventually, I just bought a camera and became kind of just obsessed with it. <laughs> so, so to bring the circle all the way around, yeah. you meet your wife in California, mm-hmm. then what brings you back here? Um, the financial crisis, um, when... I guess, uh, you know, kind of the banks collapsed. Uh, I was, I mean, we were working, working, working. I mean, I worked. When I you worked were in the housing stop. market, that's the wrong market to be in when that happened. Yeah. And I was in the, yeah, exactly. Um, I initially just thought I would go to architecture school. So I did go to SciArc, uh, Southern California Institute of Architecture for a little bit. Realized that none of that really was for me. Um, you have to be a certain kind of weirdo like Jeremy. That's like right. That. You got to be crazy that's true to do that stuff um so i just decided you know i need to take a step back from that all of that um because none of it all of it was impacted i didn't really realize how all of that was so tied together now it's back i mean everything's going crazy out there again but uh, when i had a minute to step back from it and really s- assess what it was i was doing i just decided to make a change <laughs> Well, and then Utah was the change. And yeah, I was like, let's go to Utah. So 
because your wife was from well, here. Exactly. Was she the one that pushed it, or was it kind of no? Mutual? I, no, actually, I suggested it. I said, you know, Ogden is kind of a cool place, and she said, really. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I think there's a lot of potential here. Going from LA to Ogden. So no, it was definitely a yeah. cultural change, but well, it's a lot. It's a lot smaller, but Ogden's a. I, I like Ogden. We we give Ogden a lot of shit because it's got some history, but Ogden's a good place. Yeah, you should give it a little shit, but it's still. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> there's a little something for everybody there. I we think. give every place in Utah shit, but we love it. That's why we're here. <laughs> well, yeah. So it's on love. <clears throat> so you're in. You're, you're taking pictures with your iPhone. You you pick up a, an SLR. Uh, a digital camera and and really start taking pictures. I mean, were were you trained uh, during school and in, in doing Photoshop and stuff like that to edit your images uh, digitally? I mean, I would imagine that was long enough ago that that was cutting edge. Still, yeah, I always liked Photoshop as a pro. I just and I use Photoshop in Adobe Lightroom every single day yeah. now. But it was something that I did on my own sort of as a hobby for the most part. I remember Adobe in the early, early <laughs> days in like the late nineties. I remember I remember here in architecture school back in ninety four, ninety five, taking a Photoshop class. And back then it was okay, but it was so cumbersome. Mm-hmm. It was a huge program that I remember back at the time thinking this is garbage. No one's ever going to use this. It's so, because it was so difficult because half of it was DOS based and it was just like this mm-hmm. Photoshop stuff is crap. No one's ever going to use it. It does a lot. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can do with it. I do pretty basic stuff with it. I don't. There's a, it's a pretty powerful program. I don't edit a lot in it. I just usually just use basic stuff. Clean things up. Yeah, I don't do tons of editing. Well, you're also to. not taking pictures of people, which I think is where more editing comes into play. You're taking pictures of the landscapes you see that are beautiful, right? Right. And I'm just trying to capture that as you know, as best as I can without you know making it something it's not. So, so I'm trying to. How did you trend? I'm, I'm sure. So I'm sure when you moved here, you guys had jobs, or did you live with her parents, or like? Yeah, she had a verbal. She had a job offer at Hill Air Force Base. Okay. Um, so she went to, we went to do that. Um, I ended up getting a job, um, working with an outdoor program, like a, one of those ones where the kids come in and they do it, it called adventure therapy or Fat something camp. like that. Yeah. And it was, that was great. I really, really enjoyed working with kids and I, that's where I really got a chance to really explore Utah. I went all over Utah just you know, I mean, I made no money, but um, it was awesome to just go all over the state and see all, and the, see all the stuff and... that I saw. And that, and I, I knew areas of Salt Lake and of Utah better than people that lived here their whole lives. Is that when you ultimately fell in love with Utah and why you'll never leave again? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making some assumptions. Yeah, I did, um, but it was mostly my wife who is from here, so I fell in love with her. <laughs> so it's her fault. So totally. So, how and when did you transition? When did you go to the home to the wife and say, I'm done with a real job. I'm doing this. <laughs> well, I think she kind of knew. I mean, she, I think, yeah, I was, when I quit architecture school, I was like, I just kind of want to be an artist. And she's like, her response to me was, I think you'd make a great artist. And that's when I was like, okay, keeping, draw keep me like her. one of your French girls. Yeah. So you got that ring still, right? So. <laughs> It comes with a chain now. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just, yeah, we have kids too, so now it's hard for me to get out and do that stuff. <laughs> so I'm curious, like, how, how did you go from, you know, taking these landscape photographs to, 
uh, doing metal printing because that's a that's it's not necessarily new, but it is something that is is a bit different than what you see with the metal prints of uh, of of landscape and stuff. I mean, there's not a whole ton of people that are doing those still. Yeah, it's amazing. There's quite a lot of people that have never heard of it. I still have people that come in all the time and ask me if it's like, is this glass? Is this backlit? How is this? What is this? And so, um, it's, you know, it's, it's a sheet of aluminum that I print on. I have the equipment to do that. Um, I just, I just loved that process. I thought it was amazing. I, I did some paper prints. I tried other stuff and I didn't, I just didn't love it. And so I was like, no, this is what I want to do. I want to do this metal print. So that's what I decided to focus on. And uh, yeah, people really just respond to it really well. So did you just like buy the printer and stuff and go, I'm going to try this? Or did you try having some of your stuff done that way? Yeah, I had stuff? some of my stuff done that way. I actually had some um, people printing for me. Um, one of those people said, Hey, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> do you want to buy this equipment from me? That's a hell of a way to get equipment. Honestly. Yeah. So I was like, uh, do you take checks? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Let's, let's take that thing. It's the, the heat press that I have. It weighs 3000 pounds. So I had to get a forklift to take it out of the building. But <laughs> is it in your garage? Or? No, it's in my studio at, at the Monarch. So what you do, go home and tell your wife, hey, we're not going to be able to pay rent this month, but guess what I've got? <laughs> Look what I've got. Yeah, so. Honey, <laughs> hope you saved a mortgage payment or two. <laughs> yeah. So no. so how does it work? It's not like a Xerox printer, you know, so how how does it actually do it? Yeah, um, it's a transfer process. So what I have is sheets of aluminum that have a coating on it. It's a high gloss white coating. It's from a company called Chromalux in Kentucky. Um, but it's designed to be printed on. So I get all those sheets cut down to size and I, uh, I print in reverse on a special paper and ink. And then that image gets transferred using heat and pressure. Hmm. So it's sublimation basically just means chemical process. It's a chemical process. So you just press that thing down with a, I have a big, uh, 44 by 64 inch heat press. So you're printing 3, everything pounds. basically mirrored first. Yes, it's printed in reverse. That's so cool. And then it's so, so it's a chemical reaction that, that mm -hmm. so the ink does turn to a gas and then it fuses, it fuses into that coating that's mm -hmm. on that metal permanently. It doesn't etch though. No, right? it's not etched. No, no, it comes but it's off kind it's very of rough, smooth. right? Like it, there's like a texture. There are textured, you can do textured. Um, which I kind of consider to be a little canvas alternative. So I have textured and there's matte and then there's high gloss finish. So mostly what I do is high gloss, but I can do any of that so stuff. So how, how thick is the metal? Is it like paper thin, fairly flexible, or is it more rigid? It's, you know, it's, it's pretty thin, but it's definitely got some weight to it. So. It's like sheet metal. Yeah, like it's, it's just... like a sheet metal. I think it's like 18 gauge, if I remember so correctly. So you have a sheet metal so cutter don't... to cut it, or do you get it? Um, specific... Yeah, it gets cut down. You can use different methods. Um, CNC machine is my oh, preferred method. Gotcha. Yeah. That's awesome. That's my awesome. dad used to do metal photo for like business purposes. We used to have all sorts of metal photoed stuff. Like I wrote a poem once, and he, like my mom, like, drew a picture and then they like oh, metal photoed them. them together and put them on like a wooden board and was it the cat with the like laser no. spot okay <laughs> well the technology has been around for a while it just hasn't been used that much right. until somewhat it recently. was used a lot in office stuff they made yeah. like nameplates and mm -hmm. um 
badges and instead signage. Of like, instead of engraving yeah. or acid etching, right, they would use right. that transfer mm-hmm. process yep. for smaller but, things. But usually it was like black and white and gray tones and like nothing super exciting, but. But yeah. I've looked at some. But that of was your... a long, like that was so many freaking years ago. That was probably uh, twenty five years ago that I was. So clearly, I mean, the process has changed quite a bit. But yeah, it's still, it's still, yeah. I think the printers and stuff have changed. So, um, but I know, I know the technology has existed for a long time. It just wasn't really practical to do large pieces, especially as photography. But sometime at some point, someone said, "Hey, let's do this." And I don't know. I, I I really like it. A lot of my clients really like it. So, how did you get involved with the group you're with? Uh, like, I look at the cheat sheet. It's the monarch. The monarch. Jeremy. You said it like sixteen times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got. I've got to talk. I've got to talk up the monarch. I want to get people in there and check it out. <laughs> it's super cool. No, it's people walk in there like this is Ogden. Am I in Ogden right now? Um, but uh, yeah, it's funny. I, well, I had come to Ogden thinking I was going to do something like this. Not exactly. I didn't. I just. I just felt it. I'm like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a shop on 25th Street. Um, I saw them building this building, or they renovated this building. It was an old parking garage behind the Big Low Hotel, old Ben Lomond Hotel. Um, ben Lomond, we've talked about that. Yeah, it's now the Big Low. It was originally the Big Low, changed to Ben Lomond. Now it's the Big Low again. But that was a parking garage. Where I'm at was a parking garage for, for that them. hotel back in the day. I uh, went through a bunch of different processes and then eventually went was empty and defunct and um, a guy named Thane Fisher came in and just decided he was going to put art studios in there, event space. And then we have a retail store and a restaurant in there and he decided he was going to do that. And so we have 40 artists in there. Um, so I, just walk. Did you say 40? 40. Wow. Yeah, or some, yeah, pretty close to they that. They all have studios in there mm-hmm. or just their yeah. work is up there? Yeah, 40 different studios. Wow. Um, but I walked into Thane's office. I, I didn't really know the guy. I, didn't, I just kind of walked into his office one day and I was like, hey, can I rent a space over here at this place? And he's like, oh, we don't know how big it's going to be. We don't know what's going to cost yet because the architect was, was still working on the plans. Um, and I'm like, I don't care. I just want one. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, okay, well, here, we don't have, you know, just put your name down. And I bugged him for like a few weeks or a few months actually about it. And finally the plans came together and... uh I just, I, I'm in number three, so I was like the third so, person. So your space is your own space, but it's all part of like a, a larger... A larger area, yeah. So I have different neighbors. So my neighbors actually do podcasts, the Banding Collective, and then my other neighbor does, uh, Stephen Henry does awesome Western painting. Hmm. And they have a venue for like weddings and stuff there. And... Yeah. So then is there like a, a, a shared space to, for, for people to put their art and... Sell their art or not? Not that's there. Well, there is. We have vendors that come in that can set up tables. So we have every Saturday, anybody can come and I think there's a fee to come set up a table. Um, anybody that wants to can come bring a table on Saturdays. We have uh, a market and a beer garden on Saturdays and Sundays. There's a bazaar market put on by Indy Ogden and same thing, another beer garden. So people can come display their stuff yeah, there. Beer garden. Yeah, no, it's, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. It's great. <laughs> so I, I'm curious, like I've, I've been, you know, today and yesterday I was kind of looking through, 
uh, a bunch of your work, and I was kind of curious, like, what is the, what is your favorite piece that you've ever done? I think the some of the Ogden stuff that I did. So I do. I shot a picture of Ogden in the rain and printed it on metal, and people were just like, "Wow, I, I've never seen anything like this." So this that kind of started all of this for me, really. Um, I had printed that up a couple of shots, and people said, "I want to buy that." And I'm, and I didn't even, I honestly was surprised. I'm like, you want to buy this? <laughs> so, so that started the process for me. So the Ogden, um, downtown in the rain is a piece that's pretty important to me. Uh, but I also, I shoot a lot of pictures at Snow Basin as well. There's a lot of people that just really, really love skiing in the mountains. So I have a fall picture of Snow Basin that, um, also, I really like a lot. So is that metal print of the City Rain? Is that the Ogden Rain one? Yeah, there's City Rain and then down on Main Street. So a lot of my newer pieces, I'll, I don't know if too many people realize this, but I use song titles as my, <laughs> uh, and the names of my, most of my newer pieces. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I really like, I really like these pieces. They're, um, and there's Julia joining us. They're quite. <laughs> oh, I got to turn. You should probably on. wait until she sits down and like has her headphones so on can and can participate. No, that would be too. Just easy. have awkward silence for. That would be too easy. Jeremy so. also doesn't understand how podcasts work. He's been doing this for five years. He still well, doesn't know. He I don't know how podcast. photography and printing works, and I've been doing that for a little while. So <laughs> I've been doing ours for five years. I've been doing podcasting for close to ten. I love it. Uh, I've been sitting here podcasting with Jeremy for the last hour and a half. His <laughs> daughter walks in. She gets a picture. Yeah. I got three of you. He, he got a couple. Up. I saw them. That's he an needs, insta we got to make him draw. He's got to draw him. something now. He's come a long way. He did not used to have an Instagram. He's a freaking architect. He's I made his Instagram. Many homes in the parade of homes. Many, many homes in the parade and of for homes. For five years, we've been telling him until Julia, like, he's like, well, him. I have Twitter. I'm like, dude, no, you're an architect. Instagram is for pictures. Instagram is for pictures. So, that being the case, let me ask you, Austin. Do you have an Instagram? I do. And do you post your stuff on there? Yes, yeah. iron.pine. <laughs> See, he knows what's up. He's an artist, and Instagram is a great way uh, to showcase your art that you want people I to I feel buy. if, yeah, if, if you're a photographer like without interest. Instagram, it's like a NASCAR driver without a car. Kind of like being an architect without Instagram. Well, like, I have one now. I showcase my stuff on Twitter, <laughs> a text-based platform. I have a love-hate relationship with social media, I really. I do, too. Everyone so does. Part of the problem is I don't have time, and then every time I add a new one, it's like, oh, that's just one more thing. I've got to, like, try to manage. It's anyway. The, yeah, it is. It's growing your... It's keeping your business healthy. It is. Having it a is. really good portfolio. Like, I, have, I don't have time. I have, like, 43 followers. Look, now. if Frank dies tomorrow, <laughs> that's half your business. That's true. So you got to make sure you're, I, no, I don't wish Frank dead, by the way. Frank, if you listen to this, which you probably won't, I don't wish you dead. <laughs> I think you're a great guy. Um, no, so that's, that's, uh, that's great. I really like your stuff. I've been looking through quite a bit of it, like I said, the last few days. What's probably your most popular? Is it that, that same, uh, that same Ogden picture? Yeah, the, that Ogden picture, the mountains, uh, down on Main Street and then the, the snow basin fall that I call rise up, um, rise up snow basin. That's, uh, that's also, those are certainly some of the most popular ones that I do. Have you ever been up to like Pando and got any pictures of Pando yet? I have not actually. You know what Pando is. I yeah. think that would be really cool on metal. Yeah. Like all of the trees in some like stylistic. 
version of it so you can, you know, just because regular pictures just with all of the trees look really cool. But I think on metal, that'd be really awesome. Yeah, the aspens are really amazing. A lot of people do pictures of aspens. I don't, I just, I don't know. I don't have anything fantastic with that, but I really should. I don't know what this one is called. Uh, that's the wave. It's a black and white picture uh, of the wave, the wave in southern Utah. So cool! It's such a. And do you do the wave? Do you have one of the wave in color on metal too, or do you? Yeah, have I have one. one. The other popular one that I have is, um, I call it looking on the brighter side, and that is at night. We actually l- did some low level lighting on the wave, nice. and I have the Big Dipper behind it. Oh, that's so cool! And so, so that's one of my other really popular ones too. The, the wave for those people that aren't familiar, it's a form. It's in Bryce Canyon, isn't it? Or it's really close, or is it over by Capitol? No, Beach? it's it's outside Kanab on on the Utah Arizona border. So kind of the middle of nowhere. Yeah, pretty much. But it's this really cool formation, of, and I don't know. I assume it's a glacial uh, scraping that has created it. But basically, the the red rock that's down there just has all these like essentially racetrack lines in it and it's just absolutely stunning it is yeah it's incredible i mean people come in and they i have a picture of it right there in my studio and people just stand there like what is that where is that so and you have to get permits if you want to go to the wave yeah way in advance yes yes i it took a friend of mine another photographer and uh, several other photographers, photographers and I went out there, but it took him two or three years maybe to get that permit. Wow. Dad just time. sent me a bunch of pictures and he was in half of them. So I'm tagging it, recording tomorrow's episode featuring Jeremy the Instabitch. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. He's like, I took 15 selfies. You can take some more. The one you took of Chris sucks. Well, then take another He's one. blurry. You're closer. They all My suck. phone's about to die. I can't lift it. Oh. <laughs> no, I, it's at 4%. I've had like one picture in five years that looks decent of me. The rest it's are It's the like, one that I edited of you with the cat, oh, with the, the lasers in the back. Yeah, profile. That's the that one was amazing. <laughs> so, so picture picture uh, like 1980s-esque um, school pictures with like the laser background. So it's that, and it's a picture of me holding my cat. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's picture. awesome. He I'll made it sh- his I'll profile picture. I'll show you when we're done. We need it's to print really that quick. on metal. Really, really big. On metal. Keep it forever. <laughs> give it, give it, just pass it down for generations. Speaking of that, you do custom prints for people there too, right? Not just Yeah, yourself. yeah, I yeah, I do. I do also do that. So I work with, yeah, work, work with other photographers as well to, I, I, I don't consider myself a print shop, just an artist helping other artists. Hey, Brighton goes to you all the time. Yes, he he does. drives an hour and a half up just to get prints from you, and they're so that's all over actually the apartment. I love got. working with him. Yeah, that's he's, actually yeah, how no, we, got we were you at the, the market show. and we were passing, and Brighton went in to talk to you guys. So does, was like, does stop talking have, so I can give him a card. <laughs> does Brighton have him do? Does he have you do any of his military stuff that he does? I have not done that. I, some of the stuff we worked on was for the zoo, and I think oh, yeah. he yeah, did he some did really stuff awesome zoo. stuff for the zoo. Didn't the curator of the zoo yeah, buy Yeah, the, the zoo curator bought it bought before it. it even opened. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. He was so yeah. excited. I, I was excited. That's great. That was awesome. Yeah, that beach print, so pretty. It decorates the whole kitchen. I was just wondering how our glacier print would look. He's uh, waiting for Hawaii cool to take so many. He's going to come to you with so many prints from Hawaii once we're gone. He's he's the plan is to deck out the whole apartment. So awesome. Yeah, I know he wants to. He's talked. He's come in a couple times. 
Have you seen so. any of his military stuff? I don't know if he can share that. I have not seen so it. So he's they a photographer do that for the kind military. Of editing. He just edits it kind of and then sticks it in a drive. He well, I know. Like be, him, he can't. Re- he can't really. But but that's his current military job. Is he photographs all of the military? He's stuff. one of the army's pretty boys. So like that's, when they did the the Fourth of July flag ceremony at the Capitol, so he took all the pictures for that. I'll just so. look him up. Anyway. Okay, yeah, I might have seen some of that. That kind of sounds familiar. That's his, <laughs> that's his day job, but then he does photography. He's done our family photos for the last couple of years, and his stuff is his stuff is really good. He, yeah, he, he does is. an amazing he's job. Super talented. It's just the first one that came up. He got he's his stuff's always in the well. News. And then the Pentagon used a bunch of his pictures a few months ago because yeah, because when they take them, they go into like a shared military drive, and then and they just use use them for whatever for whatever. But but he was saying a few weeks ago that he got to go out in the Apaches because they were doing a training session. So oh, he, he got, got to go out in, in the Apaches awesome. and take pictures oh, of the, wow. like yeah. the Apache pilots and doing their thing. And anyway, super cool. That's great. That's really cool. One of these days we're going to have him on the show. I feel like these would be cool on metal. Oh, yeah. He got this a picture our, like... My friend Devin, and he like does a, a lot of... He got like a two-page print in a magazine or something the other day. Yeah, the, the he color... He does a lot of landscape, but I think that that would look really yeah, cool. Yeah, anything with the, color, you know, bright color, oh, are you um, talking the sharp photos. Yeah, looks looks great on. It. I mean, people just really love it. So it's a I real I, the the metal prints. Every time I see them, I like even crappy pictures look pretty good on them. So, and they're not like the they're not like the carnival style metal prints, right? Like <laughs> you know when you go to a carnival and like you you like break balloons with no. This is the kind of print like the, you'd pay like three thousand dollars. You get like the metal Bon Jovi, the metal Bon Jovi. Oh right. I mean, you don't know what those are. Do you remember those ones in like the nineties that had the lights in them? So it was like. It's like New York, and then the the different. With oh, a, yeah. yeah, a lot of people ask me if they're backlit because they reflect light so well. And they're just, I mean, people like come in. This is backlit, and then I have a guy working with me that's just like, no, it's on metal. You know how metal works, right? He gets a little snippy sometimes. <laughs> you know how metal works, right? It does reflect light. It so does, uh... so just kind of a what does it cost? Generally speaking, to have stuff put on metal, um, from well, my print started about two hundred and fifty dollars for a sixteen by twenty four, and that's not a bad price at all. Um, but for someone that wants to get their stuff done, um, that same it's in about a hundred and sixty dollars, something like that. So it's typically about half that price. And how big can you go on your prints? Up to well, up to forty by sixty. Um, I can go larger. It does get more complicated. That you're talking big pieces of metal. Yeah, and forty by sixty is huge. Yeah, it's five feet. So I mean, or I can do panels. A lot of times I break it up into panels because it's just I think it's, the one we have is about five feet long, isn't it? Four or five feet long. Yeah, I got some big ones. Yeah, and it's like three feet high. I Which think. one is it? So the massive one of the beach of the pier in your kitchen. It's in our in our dining room. I don't know if I've noticed. Did you say dining room? How do you not notice something that big? (laughs) (laughs) He's been over like twice. I helped him move in, and then I... Let me tell you, how many times have you been to your daughter's place? He's been like once. You've been to Sean's She lives in Denver. (laughs) Your other daughter doesn't. No, but I can tell you where her bed is. I can tell you what she has on her walls. (laughs) That's because we moved her bed. (laughs) Well, I know, but I can tell you her stuff. But, yeah, I can't imagine. That's creepy. I can tell Jeremy you where her favorite pair of shoes is. Hangs I don't know that. He's like, I hey. Know th- I know what her favorite pair of shoes are, though, because she just got them for her birthday. I can't imagine Jeremy goes over there all the time, no. and that's why they have separate bedrooms. 
It's so fucking weird. Ew. No, it's Julia comes weird. to my, they all come to my house because yeah. we have food. Brighton's well, coming up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Free free food. I don't cook. I, I forget oh, that yeah. I'm cooking. So you have but kids. Brighton's coming over tonight for rat hunting. He's gonna stay there till one in the morning. Yeah, we we already talked about that. <laughs> his night vision. <laughs> so you have kids? I do. Yeah. How many do you have? Two kids. One almost seven. One almost two. Oh, yeah. So, good difference there. Yeah, seven and two, so they don't, they can't possibly hate each other yet. No, they they love each other. They 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 argue a little bit. Boys, girls, uh, one boy, one girl. Yeah, Yeah, I mean the thing is, when it's seven and two, the arguments only go so far because the seven year old is not two. Is right, I know. (laughs) So like, and and opposite sexes too probably help. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 good. Uh, They they just play still my son loves to play with my daughter like he'll play with her and they get they 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 kind of love each other i mean they get little tips here and there but that's awesome that's really good so that's a bonus so like are you at your studio all the time during the week do you kind of spend just a couple days there and have someone else helping you yeah i'm i'm in and out i have to kind of run in and out a lot i'm usually there at some point um Pretty much right now, Monday through Saturday. So Sundays are the only day I'm. I just I'm taking that day off for sure. That's family day. Um, but I'm there Monday through Saturday at some point. I'm definitely there for the beer garden. So yeah, you got to do that. Why wouldn't you? So is family vacation for you? Like okay, babe, I got to bring like a suitcase full of my camera equipment. Yeah, we did so. that this summer. We decided to go to Glacier National Park and nice. piled everybody in the car, all my stuff. I mean, I, it, I was, we were loaded up. And like so, you guys all get one backpack size bag for clothing. No, that's what I told her. I was like, you get, you get two shirts, two pairs of socks. <laughs> and she was so mad. You drove? For the kids, too? Did you drive all the way to Glacier? Yeah, we did, yeah. That's not that bad. Well, we had a lot of stuff, so it would have been, I don't know where we would have flown to, and yeah, then we had a lot of a lot of crap with the us. The trick with Glacier is even if you fly, it's still like four hours from the small Yeah, you're still going to have to drive. Like, it's an eight-plus-hour so drive. So by the time you spend all the money on the airplane and then all the money on the rental car, you yeah. might as well just be in the car. Pretty much. That's what we decided, and actually, it's... we. It was nice. We stopped in. It's different, Jeremy, when halfway. you travel with two kids than four kids. Yeah, that is true. With four, because I can travel with we'll two kids pretty other. easily. Well, it's like ten hours for a normal person's driving style from here. So I could do two kids. The other two kids, I'd have to hire someone to drive them too. So mm-hmm. no, your kids should never outnumber you. <laughs> yeah, that's no, I don't. I know. Plus, if you Bad go news. to if you drive to Glacier, you get to stop in cool places like Pocatello and Butte. <laughs> Butte, yeah, I fell in love with Butte actually as Butte's well. That's really the first town. time, and I'm like, oh man, what a cool town! You could make a sidetrack over to like Helena or Missoula. Did you like stop at the world's largest yarn ball or anything? That's any the of those? Midwest. Dude. Oh that's, no, none of those. No. That's not. I that's saw not the side of the country. Yeah, but. we did stop in Butte. Actually, we stopped in a little town called Anaconda on the way up, and which was really cool, which is closer there. And then we stopped in Butte on the way back and stayed at this old hotel right down there, Fairmont or something. I can't remember the name of it, but it's a really cool hotel, and that was a lot of fun because we just broke it up. So that's all really, really beautiful country up there. It is. It's it, hard it, it is amazing. They call Montana big sky country for a reason. It's I bet just, you got some amazing star pictures up there, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't get a lot of nighttime stuff, but I definitely 
it pretty much was kind of a family trip, and I got the permission to get up at four o'clock in the morning and drive to the park and take pictures and come back and then get the kids. So. <laughs> and then, well, that's yeah. when you can get the wildlife and stuff. Those are the best times early in the morning. Yeah, and I imagine rousing a two-year-old and a seven-year-old at four thirty is very difficult. No, 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 that was not going to happen. <laughs> Do you ever take advantage of our dark sky areas? Yes, because you're up by quite a few of them being in Ogden. Yeah, actually. So, um, uh, there's another photographer. Well, actually, I have a friend who's a pilot. He's, but he loves the night sky. He, so he's actually teaching me how to shoot some of this stuff because I did not know how to do it. So he's obsessed with the night sky. Uh, this guy named Ryan Andresen. And so he runs, um, some dark sky, um, nonprofits. And so I do printing for him. And so we've donated some prints to like Kodachrome Basin State Park, Antelope mm-hmm. Island, some of the state parks. So we do some prints for him and we donate the money to night sky preservation. Um, so I'm, I'm getting into that more as a photographer. You kind of have to a little bit. I, I'm still learning myself about some of that, about some of that. I think the best night sky pictures that I see still come out of Capitol Reef. Yeah. The, the constellations and the amount of stars that you can so, see out there. Yeah, there's some really amazing dark sky areas in Utah. And, you know, one thing that we're trying to get a little information out about is, uh, you know, light pollution a little mm-hmm. bit. Because, I mean, there's people don't want to talk about that either. And it's pretty simple to just put the light where you need it, you know, instead of blasting lights up in the sky, just so aim in, them down. In the late 90s when uh, L.A. had those huge power outages, I don't know if... You were there for that, or you remember that? I think that? I missed that. But. So there was these huge power outages for like three or four days. Like, it was major. Um, at nighttime, the police and everyone were getting thousands of people calling. Because they saw stars? Like, there's something in the well, sky. Well, no, they thought it was aliens. They thought it was all this kind of stuff. It turned out to be the Milky Way. They, it it had never, never been. It. They'd never actually seen it. They'd never actually seen it over L.A. I totally believe that. Yeah. <laughs> that, it, that is, honestly, that is one thing that I really, really miss from growing up. Because back home up in Wyoming, you drive five minutes away from town and there's no light pollution. You you can turn a corner and be in a canyon and look straight up and see everything. The Milky Way and, and all that. Like just being able to like drive, like we would honestly, we would drive out and lay on the hood of the car and just look at the stars for a couple hours and... You can't do that in Salt Lake. It no. just doesn't exist, that capability. You can sometimes see, like, you know, yeah. a couple dozen stars. Like, you might be able to pick out, like, the Big Dipper or Orion's Belt. That's about it. Yeah, it's harder to see. Um, you, with the camera, you can get pictures because the camera has a little more capability. Uh, but with the naked eye, you can kind of make it out, but it is hard. It's hard a lot of places around here. Yeah, yeah. So that's why those dark sky parks are so awesome. I mean, Antelope Island is probably the closest one, right? And then mm-hmm. a lot of them in central and southern Utah, especially. So yeah, definitely. Well, Austin, I got one more question for you, All and right. we'll let you pimp your pimp your stuff and and say goodbye. Uh, what is so you you've been around uh, the country quite a bit, um, and you've, you've planted some roots here. What is the most interesting or unique thing that you've discovered about Utah in your time here? Uh, interesting, unique thing. Um, you know, I just, I think it's 25th Street in Ogden. I just really gravitated to that place. Um, I actually had only visited Utah growing up. We would go skiing in Park City, and I knew Park City, um, but I was 
I just really liked uh, downtown 25th Street in the way that there was just, it's a little something for everybody, from your biker to your businessman, it just felt more inclusive, and I, I just enjoyed that much more, and I've just grown to really uh, love the people there. I have made some amazing friends uh, down in that area, um, so I've been really appreciative of that. It's definitely eclectic. I think that's the best way to put it. It is. It is. It's a little of everything. You can't say it's just one. It's not just a business. Yeah. It's not just... It's... No, no, it's not. So it's it's unique and definitely eclectic, and I love that about it, and it's, you know, it's it's gritty, you know, and then there's some cool stuff. There's some cool things happening in there and the art district down downtown now too. So, um, and you've got nurture the creative mind that puts out these street pianos that people just go around and play. And I um, love the horses they paint every year. Yeah. The horse, around, there's yep. horses out there. So it's just really fun. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's a really fun environment. So how can people find your stuff? How can they get a hold of you to print or get your prints? Well, definitely come see me um, up at the Monarch in Ogden on 25th Street, uh, right behind the Bigelow Hotel. Um, ironpine.company is my website. Spell that out. Um, iron.pine on Instagram. Uh, and uh, all my information should be on the website, though. So, Well, awesome. Thank you so much for, for joining us and having a conversation with us about art and landscapes in Utah and all that good stuff. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, I guess since Julia made it before we quit, we can do a tarot card. <laughs> Sucks for you. This will be like the ending of the show from now on as the tarot card pulls. For the next 10 weeks, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, we're not changing Do I get to pull one? That. Yeah, the guest is going to pull one. Austin's going to pull Don't one pull for us. Don't pull the death card or you're not allowed back. Yeah, we took it out. Ooh, who knows? No, we didn't. <laughs> you don't know. You left it here. It could be gone for all you know. They have tarot card readings at at the Monarch on Saturdays, too. It's kind of cool. Uh, what's the card? All right. We have Strength. What is the card? It's called Strength. Oh, it's just Strength. <laughs> well, I would like, like the Ace of Cups and like the Three of Coins. And it's the card of Strength. Oh. <laughs> it's not the Ace of Diamonds? It's not no. Death. So No, it's right. about willpower and determination. The words are courage, conviction, control, determination, and patience. I have all those qualities. So that's definitely your card. So that's your card. (laughs) Good good call on the card thing there. Julia's phone's totally dead. She doesn't believe in charging it while she uses it. It was plugged in the whole time, and Dad sent so many pictures that it killed it. (laughs) No, I sent it once, but it like... Yeah, but it always comes in like 20. Three or four times. It'll come in the whole episode. Sorry. That's fine. Do it again next time. I'll just take more pictures. <laughs> <laughs> it's, are you on our Wi-Fi on your phone, Julia? She needs to be. Because if you're not, you probably should be, and that will probably help prevent that. Because this basement... I came in with it at like 20, though, yeah, this for my ba- therapy, so... This basement is like a dead zone for cell tower stuff. Even though there's a cell tower like literally across the street, the basement just wrecks cell signal. Uh, so yeah, you should probably put your phone on the Wi-Fi. Uh, and I'm sure all of our listeners really enjoyed hearing that discussion. <laughs> uh, I think that's going to do it. Uh, thanks again to our guest, Austin, for joining us. Um, if you like what you heard, uh, please uh, share the episode. That's what helps us more than anything. And if you didn't like it, tell everybody this was the worst thing I've ever heard. You should, listen, you to should listen to it. It's so bad. Uh, <laughs> at TNU Podcast is where you're going to find us. 
Well, yeah. I mean, no news is good news, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at TNU Podcast on all the social medias. Uh, you can also find our website, thenewutah.com. And if you, if you listened to last week, the food episode, um, I took the easy road on the blog. Easy is relative because I had to look up every damn link and make sure it was the right one. And some restaurants had like just a Facebook profile and no web presence. And then like, which one was it? I don't remember which one it was. One of them had a Facebook profile that went to a website that was not the same business. Oh, boy. Like, they had the website link on their Facebook profile that was a national fan franchise, which was not the same company. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like, take control of your stuff, people. Um, but there is a list of all of our favorite places to eat uh, around Utah that we, we, we talked about last week. Um, Tokyo links, Station for the win. Links to all of them. I actually don't think Tokyo Station was on there. You better put it on there. Um, might have to edit it. I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't think it was on there. I might not have wrote it down. You did. I watched you write it down. Oh, well, prove it. You sinner. No, I don't remember. I, that, was a, that was a week ago. But that's the kind of stuff that's on the website. Um, always links to a bunch of stuff. We'll have links to, to Austin's company to order prints and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah. And, and the month of June has been brought to you by Chris. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Like, if you don't like the way the blog's written, please let us know so I can stop writing blog articles since <laughs> I wrote Dad almost all, all of them. You know wrote, what you should do? I wrote should... the oil one. That was a long one. Yeah, it was really long. You should, uh, you can program bots to like create, uh, you know, like different YouTube videos or that kind of thing. Have it listen to every single new, uh, podcast episode and just have it write up the thing. It is actually easier for me to write the podcast blog than to do what you do. That'd be hilarious, though. <laughs> uh, no, but the blogs are great because they're not always just recaps of the show. Uh, we go in depth a little bit sometimes in some of the stuff that we don't talk about. So, uh, hopefully you guys have uh, a great rest of your week whenever you're listening to this. Uh, hopefully it's not in the middle of the summer still, uh, where it's hot as shit. Wear sunscreen. Stay hydrated. Stay indoors right now. <laughs> <laughs>